Hey man, 261k. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ch I'm trying to sit in on a uh, webinar to run for office. We're about to start. Follow this link. Here we go. It should be starting right about now. So, how are you guys doing, man? I guess you're still alive. I guess you still sur you survived Trump virus. Congratulations. That's quite a tribulation. Still waiting for all my friends to get back, come back to me. And um, yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna do my pets a favor. Call 520-724-5900. That's Pima Animal Care Center. And um, they're ransoming my pets for 53 k And today we put in a, um emergency motion for emergency request. Give them all back. Sorry, I'm trying to fucking. On it. Um, wait for this. Dang. Uh, Facebook? Oh, Facebook, okay, there it is. We work with pro-democracy, pro-freedom candidates who are ready to solve problems rather than play politics. If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Yep. Let's go. Let's get this party started, man. Starting soon. Okay, it's the County First Academy. Oh, Country First Academy. Intro to running for office. See here about uh, getting my Bluetooth going on. This is starting soon. It's starting any minute here. So um, what else? I I cover everything. Minus touch publishes. Hot on the trail of Trumpy von Schittler going to fucking jail. And do music. And comedy. I like to like TikToks once in a while. And what else? So I do art, comedy, music, and ancient history. Should do more Gaia programming while I've got it. What's going on? This thing fucking is not starting. Come on, start. Start it up like a flower. I'm trying to get a. This was today was the deadline for the 22nd is the deadline to get 53k post 53.1k bonds and get all my animals back. Or at least uh, get a hearing to get all my animals back. And they dropped the they dropped the felony charge, yeah. 
and they're dragging their ass about the civil charge as if they're going to try to nail me on something so they don't look bad. That's what's going on with that. Just want to drag it out. And they want to seize all my pets. They probably, they would love to keep my pets. Uh, very nice, beautiful pets. And they're like lovely, sweet, tame, beautiful, unique. All my mini chickens, my harvest, little harvest of mini chickens. So I was just gearing up to sell. But uh, yeah, they just wanted to shut me down. Want to shut us down? They want to starve us out. Fucking hate people who, are, who don't need them, don't want anything to do with them. We're just peaceful, law-abiding people trying to run, you know, businesses, business, trying to do business. But they fucking geofenced us. So if you hear this, it's a fucking miracle. And if that's you, Detective Noon, go fuck yourself. You're not getting away with it, motherfucker. Badge number 7977. Yeah. I'm not the first person you unlawfully arrested. It's fucking persecution. Fuck you, Detective Noon. Fucking pig. You don't deserve to have a badge, you smug asshole. Well, according to my, just because your dad is a veterinarian, you think you know everything? Fuck you. You don't. And you don't even know how to do your job. Anyway. And also the, like, the Pima Animal Control? Shit, man. They didn't do any fact-checking at all. None of them. And these motherfucking pigs, they're amped up. They're on drugs. They're taking stuff that they get from work. They see stuff all day long. They get stuff and then they they do it. So that this dude came uh, to Picte. He lied. He lied about his name. Said his name was Francisco Santa Maria. His name was like Parasite Policte. I don't know if this thing's gonna fucking start or not. Okay. It's supposed to start now. I'm not starting. Alright. Oh, it's, yeah, it's supposed to start five minutes ago. Okay, here we go. Connecting to broadcast. Here we go. What are their frustrations that his physician has the power to address? What are their hopes and fears? And what ideas do they have that could be useful to your campaign, whether they be policy-related or good connections that will be helpful when running? The old adage is true. Information is power. And the key to gaining more information is asking tons of questions and employing the answers as you move forward. And with that, I'll hand it up to Michael. Thanks, that was great advice. What I'd like to share with you now is a formula that will be helpful to you no matter what you may decide to run for. And it's good to figure out as early as possible. What is your win number and your vote goal? So pretty much everyone running for office is running to win, right? But that obviously doesn't mean you need to get everyone to vote. You may live in an area with 100,000 people. 
But of those, perhaps only 30,000 are registered voters. And for your particular election, the historical average may be that only 10,000 of those registered voters show up to the polls. By the way, we're getting that 10,000 number by averaging the number of voters who turned out over the last three similar elections for your race. So in that case, in most jurisdictions, your win number would be 50% of the people who historically show up plus one. So in this case, you'd be working with a win number of 5,001, which is nowhere close to half of 100,000 residents. Now your vote goal is a little different. It's the number you should aim to hit or exceed to give yourself a buffer in the event voter turnout is higher than average. To get to your vote goal, multiply the historical turnout number, back to this example, it's 10,000 people, by 0.52. The answer will give you what 52% is. Here it's 5,200 votes. So your vote goal would be to meet or exceed 5,200 votes to maximize the chances you'll hit your win number. Now, hopefully I've demonstrated that you don't need to be a math whiz to figure this stuff out. It's just a simple formula that will give you a lot more insight, hopefully some encouragement when you're approaching a run. I see someone in the chat just asked how to find the numbers to get plugged in above. That's a great question and something our academy helps candidates figure out if they need help. Those can all be found in your local election office or secretary of state depending on the office you're running for. I want to keep things moving, so we'll circle back to your question in a bit. But for now, let's move on to the next topic. Thank you, Michael. This next piece of advice can't be emphasized enough. Don't turn oh, down help. You can't win alone. If you haven't already done so, it's worth giving some thought to who should be on your team. We recommend a good mix of people who know you and your community well, and people who know campaigns well. And a volunteer coordinator. And to Smaller races will need fewer staffers. On connecting with the community as a candidate. After the big roles are filled, there are plenty of other tasks that need to be powered by humans, like knocking on doors, phone calls, installing signs, and distributing literature to name just a few. Bottom line, if someone offers to help, give them the job. It's much easier and a lot more fun to win with a people-powered campaign. And that leads us really nicely into the next topic, and that is, campaigns are still won in person. Now, what does that mean? Well, you hear a lot about the importance of digital campaigning and how much money and press are driven by a campaign's social media. And don't get me wrong, that's really important, but they're really is no substitute for in-person campaigning either by you or volunteers and staff from your campaign. From door knocking to bigger gatherings, a five-minute conversation goes a long way. When people see your name on the ballot, you want them to know who you are and what you stand for. Your campaign should also keep track of every person it knows of who might be interested in helping you or voting for you. 
Now in larger districts, you're obviously not going to be able to meet everyone. And so you'll focus on the people who are most likely to support you and encourage them to use their own sphere of influence to advocate for you. You can find the data necessary for targeting by going to your local election office or through a political party. And regardless, you'll likely engage a data vendor to get the information you need to campaign most efficiently and effectively. I see there are great questions in the chat and we'll get right to them after our final topic. Thanks everyone. Yes, thanks for all the fantastic participation in the chat. Now we're going to jump into a topic that makes many first-time candidates nervous and that's fundraising. And while there's plenty to be said about the downsides of money in politics, the reality is that unless the laws change, we've got to raise money to run a campaign. And good fundraising can be the difference between winning and losing. Why? Because the more people there are who are willing to invest in your candidacy, the better the odds that you have the other types of support necessary to win. Now, you might not think you'll need that much money, especially if you're in a smaller local election, but you'll definitely want to think through all the conceivable expenses. We're talking everything from website domain to postage stamps. And set a goal for how much you need to raise to cover those costs. And then, once you have your goal, there's one simple step. And that's normal. And I do promise you, it gets easier. Asking can bring up lots of fears in candidates. Fear of rejection, fear of awkwardness, fear that you won't succeed. But campaigning is all about asking. And the best advice I can give you is that if you're not afraid of asking someone for their vote to get you elected, you shouldn't be afraid of asking them for their contribution to do the same. In either case, the worst they can do is say no, right? And statistically speaking, for every no you get, you're closer to the next yes. And you will get yeses. Your contributors are also likely to give you more than treasure. They're often people that You're asking for money to fund your vision and candidacy, which probably aligns with their own values. Once you believe in yourself and your ability to serve, and I do believe this academy can help you with that, it will become easier to ask someone else to believe in you too. We'll go much further into all of this in the academy, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you definitely need to look up the campaign finance laws for your state. Find out how much you can raise, how much an individual can donate, how donations have to be logged and reported. This is definitely where a treasurer can be very helpful. But just make sure you've got your I's dotted and your T's crossed when it comes to the money. And with that, I'll pass it back. All right, that was great. Thank you, Michael. So now, let me turn to some of the questions you have. I've seen a lot of similar questions, so I'll try to consolidate them where possible. Let's see. Okay. Is there any fee to work with you guys? No. 
Everything we do at Country First Academy is free of charge for our candidates. Great question. All right. Do I need to be rich to run for office? No, absolutely not. Now, of course, being able to self-fund your campaign might be an advantage, but those campaigns can Is the academy affiliated with a political party? No, we are completely nonpartisan. You can be from any party or no party. What's important is that you're ready to use your campaign and office to defend democracy and expand freedom. All right, what else? Okay, do you support candidates running for city council? Yes, absolutely. I'm actually glad you asked this. We actually focus in particular on candidates running for local offices like school board, city council, election clerks, things like that. Now, if a candidate is planning to run for something at the state or federal level, we're also happy to help. But most of our candidates are running for local office, which is where we really need good, reasonable people. And the bonus is that politics usually is less toxic the closer it gets to the people. Okay, how about one last question before we talk about how to work together? Okay, this one actually segues perfectly. What's next if I'm interested in moving forward? Okay, put a three in the chat if you're actually wondering the same question. Oh, wow, awesome. planning on running or are already running then we know how to move forward so you should see a button on your screen right now prompting you to click through that form once we're done here complete that form submit it to us and you'll hear from us very soon i hope that sounds good and that we have an opportunity to help as many people as possible run and win that's what this is all really about. And I see there are still some questions in the chat. So if we didn't get yours, we'll be sure to follow up with you to get you the information you requested. Thank you all for taking the time to join us. And thanks to the team for showing up to make this webinar possible. Take care, everyone. And hopefully, we'll be working together soon. Well, that was kind of bogus. Uh, so this is uh, Elizabeth Warren's plan to root out corruption in Washington, ban all individual stock ownership by members of Congress. 
cabinet secretaries, federal judges, and White House staff while in office, padlock the revolving door between industry and government, create a new independent anti-corruption agency dedicated to enforcing federal ethics laws, and much more. Right, so you guys still there? Yes, hello, darlings. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Aridstone and KPYT Pasquayaki Travel Radio, Travel Radio, Travel Radio on the Res with Trista Show. Tribal Radio. Tribal Radio. Let's see what my touch is up to. Everybody go subscribe. My Midas touch. Biden's administration is taking down Bob Menendez. Well, actually, it's it's the Justice Department doing this their fucking job. Stop trying to blame everything on Biden. Did you know that people Stop everywhere are recommended? The Justice Department is doing its job. Like Biden is persecuting. Your favorite corrupt Good RX. My neighbor showed me the app. Congressmen who engaged in bribery and with foreign accepting bribes from a foreign government, Egypt. Thank you. Help me save on my kids' allergy pills. I'm dropping off a prescription. Americans everywhere are sharing the savings. Another good reason to check that RX. Lock up Trump. This is Fox. Diaper Donald. I like it. It's mine. The prices blow my mind. I feel so rich. Oh, yeah. I feel like a billionaire. I'm Menendez was dead set against Venezuelan amnesty, and Biden just gave half a million Venezuelan social security numbers. So Menendez is cooked, and President Biden has a wider lane in foreign affairs now. Who's this door? But we're getting to know Joe Biden, aren't we? He sees an obstacle, and he doesn't move around it. He removes it. 
Trump indicted. Fuck off. Menendez I indicted. Minnie Madoff took the money. Trump's closest aide spills the beans. Federal prosecutor brings receipts. Hi, everyone. Harry here to talk about some really incriminating new evidence against Yay. Donald Trump in the Mar-a-Lago case. The evidence comes from uh, an aide, a longtime aide who was with him starting in the White House in 2018 and went with him from the White House to Mar-a-Lago until she finally uh, quit because of her uneasiness with all that was going on. So, recall, in Mar-a-Lago, the Mar-a-Lago case, he is charged with absconding with classified documents, etc., but also with obstruction uh, and obstructing the investigation into it. And there's, you know, the, the, the broad outline is he stalls and bogs and weaves and then finally he receives this subpoena, which should have been anybody's signal that the gig is up and it's time to comply. And instead, Evan Corcoran, his lawyer, comes down and he uh, basically keeps him in the dark, lies to him. Uh, and then that's also where Walt Nauda and Carlos de Oliveira come in in terms of hiding boxes and the like. So that's obstruction. And um, Molly Michael, the, the aide, uh, her, uh, she gave a talk to investigators last year, and we now know from reports what she said, presumably through her um, lawyers, I would, I would think, or else maybe Trump's yeah. lawyers, because that um, grand jury material has been turned over. But it ain't good. Um, okay, now the headline here that you're maybe already seeing is how he writes to-do lists for her and does it repeatedly on classified documents. So he's got classified documents there and he actually is making lists and sending them uh, to her. And, you know, in a kind of general um, sense, that's really riveting testimony. It just shows how cavalier he is, how he doesn't care a fig about you know classification status and the like. And again, he does it repeatedly. In fact, they serve the search warrant eventually. They go search and get everything. But these, these uh, note cards uh, to, and to-do lists on classified documents, they're still at the bottom of her desk and she retrieves them and turns them over. So that's, you know, you'll definitely put on that testimony and it'll show um, his complete indifference to the law. But more important is a couple statements that he uh, gave her. So this is just at the very time when he's obstructing and trying to get away with provi having provided only 15 uh, boxes when there are many more first in storage and that's what now that is moving around, etc. So Molly Michael has told investigators that first he told her that um, Trump he found out the FBI wanted to interview her, and he told her, you don't know anything about the boxes. Now, the uh, news reports um, are saying, well, that's a little ambivalent when he means I don't see it, especially, you know, they'll be able appropriately to ask her her understanding of this, and, uh, you know, I think it's pretty damn clear. That means, you know, you, you do know something about the boxes and you're not going to tell the FBI and you're going to lie about it. That's um, 
conspiracy to obstruct, you know, 101 that is so um, down the middle telling somebody to lie to the FBI. And there are other things that, uh, that he told her. By the way, she is in the indictment. She is Trump employee number two. Remember how, like, Tavares, the guy who, who lied first uh, about uh, his connections with uh, Nalton and the like is Trump employee number four. Well, she is um, number two, and the testimony is very strong. She knew. It also said that he was um, trying to hide it in- increasingly, and she told him, um, you know, are you sure you want to do this? So many people, including maintenance workers, knew otherwise. No, there aren't 15 uh, boxes and you're still claiming it. Are you sure you want to? She actually says that to him and that turns over. That's also obstruction 101. She knows that he is uh, basically lying to uh, investigators and, um, uh, you know, tries gently to, to talk him down. Um, The indictment charges this precise obstruction. It says that one of his acts of obstruction is he provided just some of the documents called for by the subpoena while claiming he was cooperating fully. So basically, you could prove this important uh, part of the overall charges and obstruction, and there's also conspiracy to commit obstruction, with now Tendai Oliveira pretty much just through Molly Michael. She would appear to be a really credible um, witness who, you know, goes down with him, realizes he's lying, turns over uh, evidence to the uh, FBI, tells the truth, and is, and is very uneasy about it. But you can see, you know, one of the actual, you know, biggest pieces of evidence to, to argue about and talk about a closing argument is you don't know anything about um, the boxes. Really bad, just just flat out obstruction from a guy who knows, and she knows, he knows, and he knows, she knows, he knows. It's uh, it's really um, just just down the middle obstruction. In that sense, it's going to be very um, incriminating, volatile testimony. He basically has no way to rebut it if he took the stand, which he won't. Axiom number one, he could say something like, I never said that. But really, that would, that, even if he did so, it would, I don't think it would strike a jury as credible. So um, the, this uh, you know, exchange and the whole kind of course of dealing after the subpoena comes, as detailed by Molly Michael, pretty much um, seals, seals his fate on the obstruction count, it seems to me, particularly if, as she really appears to be on paper, uh, she's that kind of uh, credible witness who you know, wasn't looking to, uh, to uh, inculpate Trump. I wasn't given a deal to keep out of jail or anything like that, but it's just a truth teller. And the truth is he was totally obstructing justice exactly as alleged in the indictment. Talk to you later. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this video and other Talking Feds content, please take a second to like and subscribe. Talk to you later. Yeah, check out the talking feds. I should listen to talking feds right now. Introducing the Filtersorb Whole House Water Conditioner, a complete...
Great show. Molly Michaels, was it? Blessed be the truth tellers. This alone, no other breach of oath must disqualify Trump from ever running for janitor in the White House. Anyone in the right mind would be crazy not to flip on Trump. Trump in the find out phase, he's finding out exactly who won't be doing time for his crimes. Hmm. I'm a Canadian and I have to tell you that we are really starting to become concerned that Trump will not be stopped. We would be sitting ducks here sitting next to a country run by a dictator. Look at what happened to Ukraine. Molly knew how dangerous the documents case was to her personally and was smart enough to get out of the situation by cooperating. Molly Michael, thank you for finally coming clean and telling the truth better late than never. There's been two kinds of flipping going on lately. Trump aides flipping on him and Democrats flipping Republican seats in elections. Trump and his allies must be saying themselves flipping hell. <laughs> Trump needs to go to prison, not house arrest, not club fed. <laughs> club fed. who are still running free. All the Congress members. Everybody called the Justice Department and demand this menace to society is immediately locked up. And remind them they forgot to charge and remove from office. All the 160 plus Republican insurrectionists. As Merrick Garland to appoint a special count, special prosecutor for all the Congress members. In fact, I should do that right now. Talking feds. Destroying themselves. GOP in utter chaos as desperate Trump begs for help. Lights on with Jessica Denson. Oh, the GOP is going through some things. <laughs> Many things. I'm Jessica Denson. And Where's the poetry, Jessica? Jessica. 
So this is where we are. A criminal defendant facing trial for 91 felony counts, including the overthrow of, of American democracy, is calling the shots of one of our two major political parties. Kevin McCarthy is speaker in name only. He has lost all control of his caucus as Donald Trump pulls the strings of his congressional henchmen, begging them to defund his prosecutions and literally bringing our government to the brink of a shutdown. Yeah. Let's put this in perspective. Just today, Jack Smith added a war crimes prosecutor to the cases against the former president. Don't let the irony be lost on you. To appease his extreme MAGA caucus, McCarthy denied Zelensky the opportunity to address a joint session of Congress this week, right after the Ukrainian president reminded the world at the UN that Vladimir Putin currently has a warrant out for his arrest for crimes against humanity. Covering for dictators and dictators in waiting is now a top priority of the Republican Party. From Donald Trump to George Santos to Texas AG Ken Paxton, this party has rejected every opportunity to cut off the poison fruit. And now the whole tree is rotten. And yes, this is a uniquely Republican problem. No one is perfect, but when Democrats face corruption in their ranks, they root it out. Just look at the growing calls for Senator Menendez to resign after his indictment today on three counts, including bribery. Democrats are capable of putting politics aside in the interest of justice, and they do. Name one Democrat who is calling the DOJ's indictment of Menendez a witch hunt or political prosecution. There are none. This is just further proof that the GOP's constant projection that a justice system weaponized by Biden to harm his political opponents is anything but. That's what Donald Trump did time and time again. And in case you've forgotten or are tuning into Lights On for the first time, I know because I've lived it. On the flip side, the utter dysfunction of the GOP hasn't stopped the Biden administration from having a highly effective week, from ramping up support for Ukraine to launching a long-awaited climate initiative and taking the lead to end the mortifying epidemic of gun violence. And we just learned that President Biden will stand on the picket line with the UAW next week as the auto workers union rightfully shunned Donald Trump. Far from destroying America like the outgoing patriarch at Fox News would have this country believe, Democrats are restoring it and building it up. They're fighting fascism in our schools and communities and defending basic freedoms that Republicans are ruthlessly trying to strip away. The Democratic Party, while imperfect, is our front line to defend democracy. And in this moment, every one of us can come together to fortify those defenses. It's great to be joined by someone who is all in on that front line. And it's ladies' night again on Lights On. I'm so happy to introduce to you someone you know and love as politics girl, Lee McGowan. Lee, welcome to Lights On. Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. It's a pleasure. First time caller. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I really, I'm really excited to bring the female energy. I think that, uh, you know, women in this moment in democracy are such a powerful force, and what you have done with your platform is just a beautiful example of that. Well, thank you. You know, years ago, I heard uh, the Dalai Lama quote that said, he said, Western women would save the world. And I thought, that's pretty interesting, because we're the people that have been sort of uh, been given a mouthpiece late in the game, and yet I think we're running with it, uh, to mix my metaphors. You know, I really think that 
women uh, are the ones being attacked in this country right now. We're the ones whose rights are being taken away from us. But I also think that there's so many women who are really standing up and doing the work. Last week on my podcast, we were talking to uh, the executive director of Field Team 6, which does democratic registration across America. Um, incredible organizing. Just an incredible organization. Yeah. But he was saying that the primary group of people who volunteer for him are women. And he was like, I really want to call out that because as a man running this company, the amount of people who come to me that work for me that get Democrats registered. And we're talking like over the past four years, they've got 2.4 million Democrats registered. Like this is no small feat. And he's like, they're primarily women and people of color. And I find that incredible because these are the people who really are front lines to our rights being taken away. And I'm so glad that we're out here speaking our minds, saying what's what, and uh, and standing up for what needs to be done. Yeah, I caught some clips of that interview, which was great. And I noticed that he, you know, he really identifies Field Team 6 as a Democrat registration arm, yeah. not nonpartisan, which is so important because sure, no, you know, as it was... I was trying to say in my open, like, this is, you know, this is really part of my awakening and my my shining a light on what needs to be done in this moment in, a, in the dem our democracy. I'm an independent. I fully support Democrats. And if you believe in democracy, if you love freedom, that's the only choice right now. We don't have the luxury of choosing the Republican Party or, God forbid, a third party, which I want to talk <laughs> about that a little bit later. We have to unite behind Democrats to save what we have now. Well, I think that, listening to your introduction, I think we can, I would love it if we could get behind the idea of finally putting this ridiculous idea that both parties are the same to rest, right? Like, you were mentioning some of the things in your opening. Like, this week alone, Biden administration took their first steps towards removing medical bills from people's credit scores to improve the credit rating of, you know, millions of people who had the bad luck of getting sick, right? The Republicans would still like to get rid of the Affordable Care Act because they really don't care if you get sick. Um, but they certainly don't care if you got bad credit because of it. Um, the president just announced the first ever White House uh, Office Gun, of Violence, Gun Violence Protection Program because, as he said, and I thought he said it beautifully, thoughts and prayers are just not enough, right? Biden used his executive power to create kind of like a New Deal-style American Climate Corps modeled to make new green jobs and training programs and, and employ a whole bunch of young people, like 20,000 young adults, to build trails and plant trees and help install solar panels and do other work to sort of boost conservation and help prevent wildfires. And the Republicans got into a fight with the Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg in a congressional hearing about the difference between climate change and seasons, right? Like these, the parties are not the same. And you were talking about um, this Bob Menendez thing, right? Like Bob Menendez is a big, important Democrat. He's the chairman of the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations. He is like a ranking member of the Senate, and we only have a one-seat difference, and yet he is going to be asked by the Democrats to step down because he and his wife were indicted on you know, federal bribery charges. So we can't pretend that these two parties are the same because, like I said, in this week alone, you got Ken Paxton in Texas just acquitted by his own party for misconduct, bribery, corruption, in a case that was overseen by Dan Patrick, who took $3 million from a group supporting Ken Paxton. So we have to stop pretending that these this two... This is an equal... Yeah, it's yeah, not that, well, the it's same. Like, it's not two sides of the same, the same coin. Thing. It's not even the same currency. And we have no. to stop doing that. No. 
And, you know, I think the Menendez thing is so important. I mean, you, the first senator uh, out of Minnesota, Democrat Dean Phillips, called for his resignation. Eric Holder has very vocally put a tweet out, called for his resignation. Um, I've interviewed crew on this program many times, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. I mean, they've been some of the most vocal advocates for, you know, prosecution of Trump, invocation of the 14th Amendment, um, and yet they are calling for Senator Menendez to resign as well. It's such a, I mean, you know, <laughs> I try to bring um, lights on this into a human perspective, not just a political perspective. You know, me as a, as a woman, when I faced all of these things that I went through and how to handle them, there was so much introspection, you know, looking at my own self, where did I make a mistake, where can I correct myself, and that's vital on an individual level or on a gov government level to help and growth and progress. If you cannot identify your own wrongdoing and root it out and correct it, um, that's that's a, you know, just spells disaster and decay and destruction and death. <laughs> I mean, you have to be able to realize when you're wrong, whether it's in your party, in your individual life, um, and take those steps to correct it. And that's, that's growth. That's what we're all living for. And that's, these are the choices that we're facing. On one side, we have a party who's willing to do that writ large. And on another side, we have a party who embraces the, the sin, the corruption, the criminality, and says, oh, no, no, we're just going to cover it all up and pretend it's you. That is so destructive and dangerous. Yeah, I mean, the party of projection is really what the party of personal responsibility used to be, you know? And it, it's so interesting because you're talking about you had to reflect on your own life when you were coming out of your own Trump years. And unfortunately, the Republican Party, which I don't think is the Republican Party anymore, and I think we need to be really clear, like, this is not your dad's Republican Party. This is MAGA. The Republican Party you knew is gone. They are gone. And the quicker gone, we kind gone. of come to terms with that, the more uh, prepared we'll be to deal with what's actually happening to us, you know? And I think that starts with, as you said, personal responsibility, but on a party level. If they could just uh, address where they're at, they wouldn't be here. And they've had so many opportunities, so many opportunities. You know, they had a come to Jesus moment after they lost to Obama. And they were like, geez, we are not growing with the country. We are not reflecting where the country is going. We are not getting new voters, young voters, people of color. Um, we need to adjust that. But instead of adjusting that, they doubled down. They doubled down on uh, grievance, they double down on anger, they double down on white Christian supremacy, and that's how we got Donald Trump. And then they had a chance to get rid of him in the per first impeachment, they didn't do it. They had a chance to get rid of him in the second impeachment, he couldn't have run again, they didn't do it. Uh, they had a chance to distance themselves after January 6th, they didn't do it. They had a chance to distance themselves uh, when he said the election was stolen, they didn't do it, and now they're stuck with it because they are who he is. There is no separation. There's no light between it. And as you said, now Donald Trump is calling the shots in the Republican-controlled House, not the House members themselves. It's insane. It's insane. It is. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, and you're talking about, you know, that opportunity after Obama. Oh, because and I can't help but think Justice Department would do your goddamn job. The role that he singularly played with Fox News, and again, this is a very personal lived experience for me, I didn't see it as racist. I didn't see it as white supremacist. I saw it as 
patriotic. I saw it as, you know, these people that love a faith that I love, which I have now come to see as complete hypocrisy and blasphemy. Um, but they, they really hijacked the platform of freedom, and while they were doing it, painted beginning with Obama, which in retrospect I now understand was so overtly racist, painted the Democrats as this party that wants to tear our country down and put it up in flames, and they do it to this day. It is so divisive and destructive. Um, and I don't think, you know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have Donald Trump without Fox News. We wouldn't have any kind of this sustained support for who are really domestic terrorists in our country um, if it weren't for this massive media entity who's poisoned so many minds. Oh, yeah. But I would say to you, you know, I think people need to give themselves a break. Uh, I've had, you know, many, many family members who have fallen down that Fox rabbit hole. And I think the thing is, is that you said, you know, you can see in retrospect how overtly racist the coverage of Obama was. And I think the thing is, it actually wasn't overtly racist. It was subversively racist and yeah, dog whistly and in a way that people could get away with thinking, yeah, no, it's just that he's not a citizen. That's why I don't like him. You yeah. know? And it's not just, only that, but so, they... You know, Lee, they use these token, they, and I, I recognize this from the entertainment industry, they use token people of color, yeah. token people of different faiths, whether it's Muslim or whatever, to say, oh no, this is not a racist position. So there's constantly enforcement on networks like Fox from black people, from Hispanic people, from people of different faiths to say, oh no, everything you're saying here is justified, you know, yeah. and it's not racist. So it makes, it, it, it further does exactly what you're doing, saying it did, which is, it's not over. It is subversive. <laughs> yeah. It's the here's my black friend uh, yeah, exactly. theory of doing things. And I think the yeah. thing is, is that like there are people who allow themselves to be tokens too. Uh, there's women yeah. that allow themselves to be tokens. There's politicians like Tim Scott that allow themselves to be tokens. There are people like Candace Owen who are clearly just cashing oh in on uh, their yeah. tokenism to make money. Um, and it's unfortunate because like you said, the the detriment to the country uh, that Fox News has been allowed to inflict on us is one of the things, but it's not, I mean, to be clear, it's not just America, right? Like, Brexit happened because of Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. His media in England allowed Brexit to happen, and it, that was based on a full-blown lie about the amount of people that were coming in. And after the election, they were like, oh, yeah, those numbers we gave you, none of that was right, you know? And it, you just think, how did this one Australian come in and like trash so yeah. many countries for profit honest yeah. to god for profit and for you know i would say relations because yeah. donald trump has many relationships with russia but so does rupert murdoch and you know this kind of idea of we will be able to destroy your country without ever firing a shot it, it happened from the inside we did it to ourselves we allowed yeah. it to happen and it's one of the reasons why if i had my druthers along with uh, improving our education in america because i really do think um, Trump saying he loves the uneducated is true because the stupider we are and the less informed we are, the easier we are to manipulate. So we need to work on education, but we also really need a truth in broadcasting law. We need a fairness doctrine for the new millennium. We need to say that we, the American people, don't believe we should be able to be lied to for profit. And there has to be a law that says that. So you can't just smear someone. You can't just say... Joe Biden is doing X, Y, and Z, and everyone gets outraged about it when it's just a blatant lie, and no one is held responsible for it unless there is a civil trial 
from a company like Dominion. Dominion it shouldn't come down to people suing these companies for money, and yet them staying on the air. You pay in almost $800 million, you're still on the air spewing lies. That should not be allowed. And we as a people should ask for that. Yeah, and when and if, and I think that's, you know, there's so much so much to be taken into into consideration with laws like that. Uh, like a fair, you know, reinstitution of the fairness doctrine because you some know version, yeah. some version of it, right? Right, the, right out of the gate that there's going to be this uh, gaslighting that oh, it's an attack on free speech, right? <laughs> That's what they always do. They they blatantly attack others' free speech. Again, I lived this experience from the right wing and the Trumps, um, and then they pretend that others, you know, trying to set things right and stand up for truth and justice are attacking free speech. And so, you know, there has to be, if there is going to be a fairness doctrine, um, you know, we have to really get better at defining the narrative of what is free speech versus blatant misinformation and disinformation and foreign influence um, versus, you know, real attacks on free speech like the ones that I and many others experienced from a real weaponized Justice Department. Um, you know, I think the free speech debate so vitally needs to be clarified in this country because it's another way that they use to portray themselves as victims when they're anything but. Yeah, and I think the idea that we need to remember is that free speech doesn't mean you get to say anything without consequence. It's the whole free speech from from Article One of the Constitution is um, is about the government not being able to come after you for what you say, particularly what you say about the government itself. Um, that's why companies like Twitter were able to take people uh, down for hate speech, because they were a private company and they were allowed to do that. The same reason now that Elon owns it, that he can let everyone and their mother, uh, Nazi lover, you know, be on the, sh on the network saying whatever they want on the feed. Um, because it is a private company and they can do whatever they want. It actually has nothing to do with the free speech doctrine of America. And I think when it comes down to it, we need to have rules that keep the public safe. Just like you have lines on the highway to tell us which lane to drive in, just like we have rules for our speed in our cars, and we have rules for drinking and driving, and we have rules for how old you have to be to drink, or how old you have to be to go to, the, to war. We should have rules that keep us safe, because if we learned anything from the pandemic, it's that we're now questioning science, right? We're questioning if, if masks work, if vaccines are safe. If, like all these things that keep us safe we are now questioning. We question if our elections are real, if our elections are safe, if they're lying to us about who won elections. That's all misinformation weaponized to make people question truth. And I think our media has done us a terrible disservice trying to get as many eyeballs on their screens by pandering to everybody than just telling us the truth. You know, I keep going back to that old saying that's like a journalist's job is not to hear one person say it's not raining and one person say it's raining and <laughs> report them both, right? Your job is to look out the window and tell us the truth, right? Like yeah. that's the job. And yeah. I think we've, we've had a huge disservice for that. And I think we need to ask more of Absolutely. our media um, because I think it would really help us. Yeah, and when you talked, when you were talking about the whole Brexit dilemma and the influence of Fox News, and I you can't help but thinking that Rupert Murdoch got his start in tabloids. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this before. You know, our our society is so susceptible to to really like pop culture influence. I mean, Donald well, we love smut. Yeah, America Donald loves smut. <laughs> but Donald Trump was like a pop culture figure. I mean, that's what The Apprentice did for him. And and we don't, um, you know. 
our news organizations should be the backstop, like you're saying, to give us factual information, not be engaged in this, like, infotainment for ratings and profit like they are doing. I mean, last week I was up to here and, you know, people people are saying in the comments as I would gave my open, Jessica is torqued. Yeah, I was torqued. Like, stop freaking platforming Donald Trump. This is insane. He is a domestic terrorist. He tried to overthrow our country. And and the, the platforming and mainstreaming of him has a real impact on people's perception. You know, when you put a legitimate person or someone, you know, who is supposed to be legitimate in their job as a journalist next to him, that legitimizes him. And we can't afford to do that anywhere in any form. No, exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, that's the problem, is that you keep putting him on the air and calling yourself real journalists, except no one pushes back on him. That The interview from last week, uh, where he was on Meet the Press, they didn't do that live. I mean, they could have fact-checked him after the event and put it up on the screen as he was speaking. If he says one thing, you put the truth on the screen. That would have been journalism. What they were showing us was how many Trump voters and how many angry liberal voters can we get to watch this show for advertising dollars. And that serves us no one except the uh, people that own networks. Yeah, it does. And then, and like I said last week, full circle moment for NBC because they were the ones that, that created so much of this with The Apprentice. But, um, you know, we will, co- we will continue to call it out, won't we? Yeah, we have to. <laughs> we, have to. to. <laughs> we have to. We have We're in trouble. Yes. The nation is in trouble. And I think it's that's serious. what people need to Very remember. Serious. The nation really is in trouble. Yeah. And we can't just assume someone else is going to come along and make yeah. sure that we don't go down a Hungarian or Russian rabbit hole. Like, we could easily become an authoritarian nation in a blink of an eye, and people yeah. won't know how to reverse it. You know, I keep thinking of those pictures of Iran in the 70s. And you know, all these women on the beach and, you know, in their cool mod dresses and their big 60s hairdos. And 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 then I think of Iran today and all these women who are trying so hard to not just be murdered for showing their hair and to have their voices heard or they're arrested and hung for dancing. And I think, is America so foolish that we think that we are immune exactly. to that? Because yeah. we're not. And yeah. then the amount of people who I know who absolutely realize we're not immune to that are terrified by that and then are talking about well i'm going to move to new zealand to spain to portugal to canada you know and i think just to be clear if america goes authoritarian there is nowhere in the world that you are safe you are not safe in portugal you are not definitely not safe in canada how long before an authoritarian government under a DeSantis or a trump turns their eye on canada right and says boy you've got a lot of natural resources up there and we have a whole military and you have nothing seconds seconds yeah which is yeah. one of the reasons why we are supporting the war russia's in war ukraine. on ukraine right because yes. we don't want to live in a world in which a bigger nation can just turn their eye on their neighbor and be like we would like you to be part of us. That's not how it works. You can't no. just have autocratic nations storming into democratic nations, killing their people, taking their land. That's not the kind of world most of us want to live in. And America has been able to support the democratic nation without getting into the war themselves. But it's essential that Ukraine wins for the future of the world most of us want to live in. 
Obviously, obviously. And I have zero patience for these nutcases like Ramaswamy who are saying that supporting Ukraine is not putting America's interests first. Doing anything but supporting Ukraine is putting Russia first, is putting the autocrats of this world first. And our investment in the security and, and sovereignty of a democratic country like Ukraine is absolutely in our interest as the, the leaders of the free world. Our number one interest, you know, I, I get so... So, like, Pete, when people, I hear, you know, sometimes I'll have these conversations late with Trump supporters or, or Trump like supporters, said, even Trump supporters in, <laughs> Trump supporters in denial who will say they're all bad or, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter. And then they tell me that um, NATO got too close to Russia. NATO got too close to Russia. So I'm like, okay, so if someone moves in next to you who you don't like, I guess you can just go into their house and start robbing their house. And when they say, get out of my house, you can say, you say, give me, uh, just give me more of your belongings. Give me your TV. I'm going to maybe take some of your children. And